Hi, I'm Heather Knight, and this is the Surviving to Thriving podcast. One in four women will experience severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. We're going to discuss the taboo topic of domestic violence and the tools our thrivers have used to succeed in life. We want you to know that you are not alone in this fight. Please keep listening if you or anyone you know has been impacted by domestic violence. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Night Protection Services for making this podcast possible and all the support they provide our cause. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Surviving to Thriving. Today I have with me Mike C-Rock Sirocco. He is the CEO of Building People Inc. and the powerhouse behind the What Are You Made Of movement. C-Rock is a performance coach, author, dynamic public speaker, visionary, and thought leader. He has been featured on Yahoo Finance as one of the top business leaders to follow in 2020 and is on a mission to empower and inspire others. At an early age, C-Rock was ignited with the fierce desire to help people see the greatness inside themselves using past life events to fuel their own fire. No stranger to setbacks, C-Rock's main goal is to help people break free from the confines of complacency and propel them to untapped levels of success. Mike, welcome to the show. Hello, Heather. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Of I appreciate course. it. Of course. Now that is a, an awesome bio, but I want to know, is there anything else that you want the audience to know about you? Yeah. You know, uh, really right now I'm, I'm focused on getting this book out. It's, it's getting ready to hit Amazon right now. And also it's called rocket fuel. And then also I, I started a tech company. I co-founded a tech company and we have a new product launching very soon and within 60 days called blueprinted B L O O printed. And I'm excited about that as well. So we'll talk more about that as we go. Sounds good. So I always like to kind of jump right back into a little bit of a history lesson. So what was life like growing up for you in that middle school, high school age? And You know, uh, back going back, you know, I came from a broken home, so I don't remember, remember my parents together. But when I got into middle school, high school, I mean, we basically between the two like families, my parents splitting up and remarrying and all that, there was seven other brothers and sisters that I had. So it was crazy, you know, no matter which house I would go to, there would always be a bunch of kids around. And, you know, growing up, I mean, I just, I grew up in a small Maryland town, very small high school, made some really good friends, but there was a lot of small minded thinking, small thinking, and, and just like you see most places, I guess, really, but it was, you know, not a lot of people left the area. A lot of people stayed in that small town, stayed in that thinking and then others, people that would go out, they would get talked about, you know, in a bad way. And so, you know, that, that's basically, I played football from junior league all the way to college. Great, great student, great grades and all that. It was kind of easy to me in high school. And so, but prior to that is really, prior to that is really where my fire got lit. You know, when I was about eight years old, I decided to move in with my dad after living with my mom for the first part of my life. And I would go to my dad's every other weekend. And I dealt with all that child support, custody battles, adding step-parents in, and then you have that conflict that comes with their agendas being in the mix. But when I was eight, my mom was getting ready to marry her third husband, and I didn't really want to move into another man's house and learn another man's rules. So I was like, you know what? Let me try my dad's house. And he was married his second time, so he was going on to a second. I said, let me try that, see how that goes. And so I ended up breaking my mom's heart, moved in with my dad, and for three years, it started off good, but for three years, I dealt with a lot of issues because seemed as if there was some conflict between my mom, my stepmom, you know, there was problems going on and I felt like it was taken out on me. And there was emotional and psychological abuse threats. I used to sleep with my baseball bat. I mean, things like just 
like no kid should have to deal with. But the reason that I'm telling you this story, one, because you asked, and two, because there was a fire lit. When I turned about 10 and a half, 11 years old, I decided to share with my mom what was going on. And she said, you know, you don't have to live that way. You know, I thought it was an ordinary life. I thought everybody grows up in that kind of environment. But as it went on, I realized it wasn't. And my mom confirmed that with me, that that's not the way you should be growing up as a kid. You shouldn't have to be dealing with that. And I'm going to file court papers, she said to me. And I'm going to get you out of there, but you must stick to your guns. You must like not flip-flop on this because if I go to the do all that, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a problem. And they're going to try to talk you out of it. Like when you believe in things in life, people are going to try to talk you out of it. So you need to stick to your guns. You need to be committed. You need to be stubborn to your goals. And so I remember that lesson to this day. When my dad finally got the court paper served to him, I came home from school one day and he had them in his hand and he told me to go to my room. Now, Heather, my dad was my hero. Like he was a hard worker. He he had his own masonry, brick, block, pouring concrete. And he had real rough hands. If he shook his hand, you knew he was a hard worker and big forearms. He used to carry this wad of $100 bills around in his pocket with a rubber band around. And I thought that was the coolest thing. You know, he used to show me what the money got us and flash it and well, when he came back with those papers after I, he told me to go to my room, he confirmed with me that I wanted to leave. And he reminded me, though, that my mom was not that well off, that she was moving in with another man and marrying another man. And why would I want to leave this situation? I had everything I wanted here. But yet he just must not have really saw what was going on or denied it. And so I confirmed that. And he took that wad of $100 bills that I always looked up to him for and thought it was cool, peeled one off, crumpled it up and threw it at me and said, you're going to need this when you're living on the streets with your mother then. So that right there was the moment a spark was lit in me. And for 30 some years, I was driving off of that spark to prove my dad wrong. And I I didn't, I was doing it subconsciously. I always remembered that it happened, but I was subconsciously thinking my dad's watching. I got I can't stop. If something was tough, had a setback, whatever, I would just keep pushing anyway, because I couldn't let him win with that comment. And so, uh, you know, from there, two years ago, I decided there was an event that happened, which is a longer story, but I, I had felt like I had to assess my life. Like what's going on? Like, why do I keep pursuing, uh, not pursuing, but progressing despite setbacks? Like, what is it? There's something going on. No matter what happens in my life, screw ups by me, disappointments, discouragement, I I just keep elevating somehow. And so I figured if I could figure out what it is, then I could really be aware of it and really take advantage of it. And I did. I I realized that no matter what was coming coming my way to stop me, slow me down, I was converting it by storing it in my tank instead of my trunk where it would weigh me down. And I was converting it into rocket fuel for my future. Now, if you think about it, taking all the stuff that would stop or slow people down and converting it into fuel, you removed all your obstacles, you become unstoppable. So once I realized this, then I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to bottle this. You know, this is so powerful. And so now my life, my graph started going straight up in the air instead of like a gradual uptick on the graph. And I wrote the book Rocket Fuel to share the information with other people. And I got Grant Cardone to write the forward for the book so that he could share what the rocket fuel law meant to him and his business. And of course, if you know Grant Cardone, he's blowing up right now. So that's a little backstory. Uh, I mean, it's incredible when I you know, hear people that have all of these adversities and somehow they can still take it and turn it into a positive. And you, you know, you touched on, you know, have with your dad and how that, that one, that one moment with him is kind of what pushed you subconsciously. But do you, do you remember like where like you kind of took that and and you were like, okay, I'm no longer going to use my dad as the fuel. It's now my fuel. Do you remember like what that was like and how you were able to take that and push it into your being now and be able to kind of now you're your own person, you are pushing yourself or is it still kind of just that 
back of the head. You're well, still trying to. Yeah, it's not just that moment. That's just the moment that started it. And I use it still. I used it before, but still, there's other things that happen as you progress in life, as you go through your time, that there's other instances that I use. So I'm like in a car with the fuel light goes on, and you're like, oh man, I need a, I need a gas station. The gas station is those moments. That's your fuel stations, and that's where you fill your tank. And so you always should be looking for opportunities to fill your tank. You do not get fuel necessarily from when things are easy, right? That's not when you get fuel. The only thing that's good is when you have wins and things are going great is confidence. Confidence is a good fuel source, but it's not the same as a setback or letdown when you're trying to prove something or you're trying to you know, show success despite circumstances. Now, you, you mentioned something like, it's always great to see people do this thing with adversity and find something good, but that is the right thing to do. The wrong thing to do is what every, not everybody I want to say, but most people do. They, they, they wallow in it. They play the victim, they complain, and then they sit and get paralyzed or sit and wallow in their misery. Right. And that's, that's not the right thing to do. It's, it, it, it happens most of the time. It's the, the majority of the people do it, but that doesn't mean make it's right. So what we need to do is we need to really teach people and shift thinking shift thinking into becoming unstoppable. How can I do that? How can I live the life of my dreams and be unstoppable towards it? What is it going to take? Now, I understand I'm going to live this life of my dreams and I'm unstoppable towards it. It doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. It doesn't mean there's not going to be setbacks or letdowns or difficulties. That doesn't mean any of that. It means that you continue to try to live the life of your dream and not be stopped going towards it. And whether you make it or not is not as a whole different game. It's that journey that's your dream. Yeah. So you talk about the majority of the people of people being in that category of people who don't, they just let it all kind of be the reason why they can't do something right. Oh, well, this happened to me. So I can't go and do that at 10 years old. Do you like, can you look back and consciously see like how, or, or why, instead of when your dad did that, you know, through the hundred dollar bill at you, why you chose the way that you did versus going with the rest of the pack, do you, do you look back and can you figure out like, was it because of the past 10 years or was there something, someone that kind of showed you other than I know your mom, you said that your mom told you like, this is what you need to do. But sometimes people don't listen to their parents. Most of the time people yeah, don't yeah. listen to their parents, you know? So what, no. what was it that you were just kind of like, this is it. You're right. If I don't do something now, it's never going to change. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, mainly one, I was stubborn. I was, you know, I took my mom talking about sticking to your guns. I took that literally. And then, you know, there's a word inexplorable, meaning you're just unyielding, perversely unyielding towards getting what you want. And so that's one aspect of it. The other thing is my stepfather, who my mom's third husband, who I mentioned earlier, his name was George. And once I did move back, I had to move into George's house and I had to follow George's rules. And George was very clear about the rules. Like he was hard on us. He didn't never, never hit us. He didn't ever hit us, but he was very clear with what was right and what was wrong and let you know when you were wrong. And so he had this big, deep voice and people that didn't know him, if you got around him when he was passionate about something, they would be like a little intimidated, but he was really a great guy. He meant well, his intentions were to make us great people. Me, my sister, you know, we weren't his kids, but he took us in like he, you know, we were his kids. And so he was the one, he's the one that guided me. I was, it was a very impressionable age when I was 11 years old and getting ready to turn into a man and all that. And I needed that. And he always showed up to my ball games, taught me about sports, you know, and, and, and he, you know, he was a man that showed up, you know, dependable, reliable, and showed up. And when you need in life, you know, you want success. You want to be able to rely on people that show up. And that's, that's what George did. So 
Now, in 2019, George passed away suddenly of a heart attack. And uh, I wasn't ready for that. Obviously, nobody's ready for when somebody passes, but especially something sudden. And, you know, it really stinks because I was thinking, you know, I still like talking to him, running ideas, you know, and, and he passed away. And I was just like, man, I'm not ready for, like, to, to, for the torch to be passed to me. And I don't mind mentoring people and, can, you know, doing that stuff for other people, but I wasn't ready for it for, for, for myself. So luckily, you know, after that, he passed away. I felt like two weeks later, I felt like this, this spirit or this, this something energy comes, came into me. And I know George, how passionate he was. And all of a sudden, I felt that same passion inside of me. So his spirit lives on. And that's helped me on my journey to where I'm going today. That's incredibly powerful. And, you know, I think that that is just being able to, again, take something that just probably stopped you dead in your tracks, but it didn't let you stop you in your tracks. It was kind of like, a, oh, walk around, go under, go over, figure it out. But again, it's still one of those things that you you could have gone with the rest of the the pack, whatever, you know, normal, normal people are doing, but you still didn't. So I think that's, you know, really, really powerful. In a few of your podcasts I've listened to, you talk about people telling their stories. Why is it so important for people to tell their story? What part of telling your story is just a key to being on this path? You know, there's something that is, there's power in, which is rote doing something rote, which means repetitive and doing it over and over again. And so one, telling your story is therapeutic, very therapeutic. If you have stories that have charged up your life, things that have happened to you that are really traumatic, impactful, in a negative way, especially telling that story over, like I tell the story that I just told you over and over and over again. And, you know, I had different di like details, every show I go on and little bits and pieces, but at the end of the day, it's therapeutic, man. And, and it helps you if something's really stuck inside of you and causing you issues, it helps you discharge that. It, it helps remove the power of that story that it has over you. So that's one thing. The other thing is I was at GrowthCon listening to Pete Vargas a couple of years ago tell his story. And that's when I realized how important it was to share my story. And Pete was telling a story about him and his father and a relationship. And I'm sitting in the audience and it felt like everybody just disappeared. And it was just me and Pete. And he was just talking to me. And I'm like, wow, this is like powerful. And if Pete can do it, I know I can do it. That's what went through my head anyway. So I started thinking about like, share my story. Why am I, have I not shared my story? And one was because I was embarrassed by it. You know, like sometimes people have parents that just embarrass the heck out of them. And, and, you know, like, I just was kind of embarrassed by the whole thing. Like I, not, not that I created it, but I just didn't, you know, well, I was worried about what people think and you can't do that. One, number two, I thought it was ordinary. I was like, yeah, who wants to hear this story? That's another reason I didn't share. And that's why other people don't. Then the most important one, though, was that your story, you, you, we all underestimate the power of our story to, to inspire millions of people. And once I realized that, I'm like, well, geez, that's kind of selfish of me not to share. If I could help someone, why wouldn't I want to do that? So then I started sharing my story and I saw the results of it. And I show, shared it with one, 10, 15 people. And I'm like, if they're getting it and they're inspired by it, what if I can reach tens of millions of, millions of people? What would happen then? So I started thinking. When you start thinking bigger, your mind starts working I'm like, okay, well, how could I actually get there? And then what happens for that to, to happen, unless you go viral like that for some reason, it takes a while to build up that, that viewership, so to speak. And most people quit when they think about trying. One, they don't think about doing it. Number two, they think about doing it. They try and then they don't get the results that they think fast enough and then they quit. But my secret to my success is that I get something in my head that I want and I just keep going at it, going at it. Nobody's going to tell me any different. And I get like consistency. 
So three C's I talk about a lot. Clarity, clear on what you want. Commitment, commit to it. And then third C is consistency. You need to be consistent. And if you do those three things, you can accomplish anything you want in life. 100% agree with everything you just said. I, you know, I've been podcasting for well over a year now, and I just recently started sharing my story. And it actually came from Zach. Zach was like, you're literally bringing all of these people on your show, making them tell their story and you're not going to tell yours. No, you need to go out and tell it. And it was those things. I was one terrified of embarrassing my family or myself and two didn't think anybody would want to hear it. And then, you know, just going through all of that. But like you said, it's, it's therapeutic. I'm able to, you know, now go out and I, you know, talk about it and it helps people. And it shows that like, Hey, we're not alone. We're not, you know, doing this thing called life alone. The funny thing is like, I knew the statistics, right? So I was sexually assaulted. One in four women has been sexually assaulted. So I know I'm not alone, right? I teach this every single day to to women, but then still, you still feel alone. You still don't want to embarrass anybody. And I, I literally, I'd never told my parents, my dad found out on my podcast. I was like, sorry about that, dad. Speaking (laughs) of that though, think about this though. So you know, when I was going through abuse as a kid, I didn't want to share. One of the reasons I didn't want to tell anybody is because, you know, embarrassed about that. But not only that, like you sometimes are even thinking about the abuser, like what would happen to them? And mm-hmm. that could be the reason that they get him, you know, what something happens, excuse me, something happens to them. So it's a weird thing. It's, you know, people don't realize that, you know, and, and like, there's been times like I'm, I'm a guy and I can handle myself, but not violently, but there's been times where I've been assaulted by women and men don't talk about that enough. You know, and I, I just, now that you brought that up, I was just thinking about, I don't think I've ever talked about it before. You know, like, it's just crazy. I'm like, like, here it's April 12th, 2021. I'm 44 years old. And I don't, I don't think I've ever talked about the experiences that, because it's just not the way people think about it. They think it's just men on women, you know? But uh, yeah, there's been times where I felt like I was in a situation where like, I, I didn't, you know. Right. Well, and, and when, you know, even in that situation, if, you know, it, it the way society works is not, like that, right? Yet, like we think men cannot be assaulted. We think that, oh, well, he thinks with his other head, so he's going to want whatever I'm throwing at them. But it's like, no, because I know you've been married for 17 years. Like <laughs> you're, you're not going to be just like, oh, let me go, you know, right. just because I'm a man doesn't mean that I want all of your advances. And people don't think like that. And it's, yep. and it, it is crazy that I mean, even in domestic violence, which is, you know, what the show's about and what my nonprofit is for, domestic violence in for men is 15% of population is, or 50, 15% of men have been victims of domestic violence. And nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to yeah. understand that either. And not to mention domestic violence is not just men and women and the husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend. It's also the kids, right? Domestic mm-hmm. violence has to do with kids being uh, domestic and, and kids going to their parents and, and hitting on their parents and stuff as well. So there's, you know, definitely, you know, it happens. And you know, the problem is, is that the person that's doing it has issues, obviously, you know, like I, I used to think that it's, man, it's just an evil person. Well, let's define evil. Like, are they just, they just want to do bad or most people that do it don't want to do it. It's the reaction. Their, their reaction doing it. It's, it's something that's triggering something inside of them. And then they act without even thinking. And uh, a lot, and I'm not making excuses by any means. I'm just saying like, I I feel bad for the person that's abused, but the abuser has issues, right? And that, you know, are we ever looking at that as well and seeing what can we do to fix that problem? Like, how can we, how can we get rid of the things that are causing that in them? 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's a lot of what we talk about is, you know, the, the narcissistic behavior, it stems from childhood abuse. And it's, again, it comes from that inability to know how to pull yourself away from that, that pack mentality or whatever humans are doing, not humans, but you know, the human mentality of, well, this happened to me. So I'm going to act like this because there's no other way to act. And that's why we have the abuse cycles because they act out of frustration or that instant reaction. There's regret, remorse, and then they try to apologize, but there's still those issues that they haven't solved yet. So, yeah. And then what, like, here's the other thing, like, what do we do with those people? We put them in jail and then how does that make it any better? It doesn't. It's like, it's like, there's a problem with society because, you know, we just lock them up and then what does that do? It doesn't help that person. The abuser, it just protects the abuser for a while while they're locked up. That that's like, that's just like, doesn't make any sense to me. It's like the easiest thing. I'll just throw, throw them in a cage, lock them up. And, you know, sure, you should be punished. But what about rehabilitation? Like, what are we doing? It's one thing. Okay, there's different levels of being here. Here's the thing. I want to go over this with you. So you got levels of being like, like a person becomes just like a piece of plastic, just sits there, does nothing. When a problem arises, it doesn't even notice the problems there. It just sits there. So that's one level. A level higher. And all the ones I'm giving you are going to go up the scale here, right? The next level is somebody that complains. They see the problem and they complain about it. They don't do anything about it, right? Then from there, the next level is people that ask for help. Now, asking for help is a good thing, right? But not before you don't, you try yourself. Like you should try yourself to fix something and then ask for help if you can't do it. So the next level from there would be you tried, but, and then you, you couldn't get it done. So you asked for help. That's now, by the way, our kids most of the time are ones that ask for help without trying themselves first. Have you seen my shoes? I can't find my, did you look for them? No. <laughs> okay, look for your shoes first, right? Yep. So there's different levels of being. The next one up is a problem solver. They see a problem, they go solve it, right? That's the different levels of being. Now there's one higher one that most, like all super successful people have, and they're at that level. And do you, what do you think it is? Helping other people then? Well, that's still solving problem though, right? So yeah. the next step up from that is going to the source of the problem, not fixing the problem and solving the problem, but what's the source of the problem so we don't have the problems anymore? That's the, what the, the, the society has not done. Whoever's in control of the government, whoever's in control has not gone to this and said, you know what? What is the source of domestic violence? What's causing these people to do this? Let's go into that deep dive into it. There's a solution to every problem. Let's find out the source and let's fix this problem. No, they do the level down. You see the level down is, okay, they ask for help. They try to fix it. They ask for help or they, or they solve the problem. That's not the highest form, which is go to the source. And so to me, now that we're talking about this, is just I never really got onto this on a podcast before, but we really need to figure out how can we fix the people that are doing it? Yeah. Rehabilitate them, you know? So. Yep. Yeah. Know, and there's, no, you're good. But there's, and there's lots of research on how to do it, right? There are people who have, you know, a lot of people will say that an, a narcissist will never change. Well, that's because they won't like they're not in therapy. They're not, you know, working on this problem. I can guarantee you a narcissist can change when they go into these programs and when they actually try to heal and talk about the childhood traumas that they had, which caused them to be narcissistic. Yeah. Over and over again, if they can mm -hmm. go over those stories over and over again and discharge them out of their, their minds, then they won't trigger them anymore exactly exactly but nobody wants to do that i guess <laughs> <laughs> it's it's easier not to it's so much easier just be like well 10 to 15 lock them yeah. up yeah do it that way yeah, yeah. so i kind of want to go back to what are you doing now and how are you helping people get unstuck and 
going through life and being able to change these patterns that they've been living in for so long? You know, I, I do a lot of uh, a lot of speaking and podcasting. Of course, I wrote a book called Rocket Fuel, which is out now. Convert setbacks, become unstoppable. There's a couple, two books out there called Rocket Fuel. Just make sure you get the one with my name on it, C Rock. And also, we have a co-founded a tech company with a new product coming out soon called Blueprinted. And Blueprinted is basically, you know, it's the solution to the problem of digital video courses. Digital video courses, I see a huge problem. They don't work. Less than 20% of people complete a digital video course. People that know how to market very good are making money, and the people that are buying the courses aren't being successful. That's a problem to me. So I figured out, okay, well, what's the problem with this? Why are people watching these, buying these, and not having success afterwards? Most people. Well, the problem is when you're watching a video course, you're distracted. You don't retain the information. You don't get necessarily to ask questions. You, you don't understand what's going on with it necessarily. And when you're done, if you do finish it, you're like, what's next? What's the first step? Where do I go from there? What's step number two? Where, where do I go? So what we've done is we've sol solved the problem with that one. Basically, if somebody can take their success, if they've done a digital video course, great. But if they can take their content and their success and reverse engineer it step by step by step of how to accomplish something so that when people get it, all they need to do is add action and great attitude and they, they guarantee their success. That's what we're coming up with. So it's a marketplace for blueprints. And people can go in and create their blueprint in our system. It's very easy, step-by-step -step process of how to have success in whatever they want their blueprint to be about. So for example, podcasting, you know, how did you start your podcast? Okay. So you go back and reverse engineer how you started your podcast and you put it in step-by-step-by-step. -by -step -by -step. There can be videos in there too, but the main thing is the steps. And if somebody were to take your blueprint, they buy it from you for whatever price you put in there and they go and they buy it and they start on step one, Monday, do step one through three. Great. When you're done step three, don't go any further. Wait till Tuesday because entrepreneurs a lot of times will go through things and they'll work 12, 14 hours a day because they think they have to, to be successful where this will allow people to say, okay, here's the exact thing, what you do on one day, one day, two, day three, whatever. Long as you follow these steps, you're going to have success at the end of it. As long as you attack it and, and follow these steps. And that's the key. So blueprinted is all about that. It's a marketplace and a project management software that is going to be a huge disruptor for the industry. That's exciting. That's, that'll be, you know, I've taken quite a few courses, but yeah, I, I mean, I'll finish them and do it, but again, there's, there's no actionable steps behind it. So it's like, cool, I got wealth and knowledge. How do I use it? So that'll be- Not really only that, Heather, think about this. If you have this thing, like, let's say it's a, uh, a person teaching you how to get in a certain shape or whatever, right? And it's a trainer, right? And they put you through there, but then you also need some, some accountability and you need some, maybe some reminders. Well, we're also going to have in there where it'll nudge you with a text message reminder. It'll attach to your calendar as well. So you'll have reminders popping up to nudge you a little bit. Hey, man, do step three today to kind of push that through. And then there's going to be people that have developed whole communities around this, you know, so there's a huge, huge opportunity here. And I just, this is how we're impacting people to become unstoppable. That's amazing. I'm really excited to see how it's going to work and, and what it'll all be about. Speaking of those actionable steps, though, what is one thing that somebody who's listening to this podcast can actionably do to start that process of being unstuck? They need to go get my book, Rocket Fuel. That'll take care of it all. There's steps in there. But really, I mean, when people are in a rut, you know, I've heard people being in a rut before. It just, my coach told me this, shout out to Richie, that really what being in a rut is, is you're if you break it down into a, a, a acronym, R stands for really, U stands for unable, and T stands for two. Really unable to whatever you're in a rut about. 
that make sense? Yeah. So you just need to figure out, okay, if I'm in a rut for work right now, I'm just really unable to accomplish something at work. Okay, well, figure out how you're able to accomplish it. Acknowledge you have the issue and then start searching for the solution. That's very, very simple. I know I make it simple, but really, you know, in life, if you break things down and not make it rocket science and you make it simple as possible, your life one is a lot easier, you're a lot happier, and you can accomplish the world when you just break it down and make it simple. So figure out what you're really unable to, what are you stuck at, and then either try to do some research on that topic or find a mentor and or, or someone that's done what you're trying to do and, and get content on them. Find out what they did to do that. It's all over the place. And by the, by the way, blueprints, like if somebody gets stuck in accomplish something, they're just going to be able to go and search that topic, buy a blueprint off of it, and, and just follow the steps. That'll be awesome. I really want to thank you for coming on the show. I've got five questions that I ask everybody uh, that comes on the show. So I'm going to get to those. And the first one is what are C-Rock's goals for the next 12 months? I know we talked about Rocket Fuels coming out on Amazon and we've got Blueprint. So do you have anything on top of that? Or do you have some personal goals that are just, you know, really big coming up in the next 12 months? Yeah, for we have, I've run a mortgage division. So we're adding like crazy employees to the mortgage division, start building that out. Uh, we have 30 some employees now, but we're trying to get, you know, to probably 50 to 60 by the end of the year. I want to see lives changed in a mortgage division. That's one thing. We also have some training things that we're putting together. I have a TV show that I'm I'm going to be on here in June. We're going to be filming in June. It's a, it's a kind of like a documentary reality show and the book. I mean, I have so many, I mean, I, I can go, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the main thing is getting the book out and getting this up and running with that. And then of course, finding there, there's another thing with the tech side of things that we're working on right now with my partner, Jared Yellen has a mission to help young entrepreneurs come up with tech ideas and teach them how to, and then get their tech ideas, vet them out and get them to market and help them co-found companies with funding and everything. And so that's a mission that I've set my sights on that I'm really going to commit to besides my product is helping young, young people come up with their own products. I love it. The next one is what would the new you say to the old you? Don't worry about what people think. That's none of your business. Just go after what you want and move hell or high water, just go get it. And you know, that, that, that's the main thing. The reason we fa- like worry about failing and not doing things is because only it's not because of us. We're worried about what other people think, worried about being embarrassed. And if you take that out of the equation, then you can keep doing whatever you want and trying for whatever you want. And if you fail, you just keep going and, and you're good. I love it. And what's a piece of advice that you can give to someone that is going through traumatic events or like yeah, adversity. Adversity. Yeah, adversity. Yeah, the, I can't teach them the rocket fuel concept while they're in, a, you know, close proximity to an adversity, because there's chaos, emotions. You're not thinking clearly. The only thing you can do for someone that is in the midst of an adversity, where there's all that chaos, is to teach them about hope and show them that there's hope and show them there's a light at the end of every tunnel because they won't be able to see it at that moment, and and tell them to keep pushing through. That's the only thing that you need to focus on at that moment. Secondly, though. Once they get out of that moment or before somebody gets into that, they need to know the rocket fuel concept, which is to turn all setbacks, letdowns, difficulties, screw ups, all that into rocket fuel for your future to become unstoppable. And if you can get grasp that concept, you're unstoppable. It's there's nothing, no no way around it. Yeah. And um, what is obviously besides rocket fuel, what is a book, podcast, ebook or something that you would recommend to our listeners? Man, there's so many good ones, but you know, I'd I'd like to go with, um, Probably Beyond Positive Thinking by Dr. Robert Anthony. And then there's one other one right now that I'm reading and I love Tim Story. Tim Story just put out a book called The Miracle Mentality. <clears throat> I love it. I mean, I love Tim and I love it, what everything he stands for. And the book is phenomenal. 
Definitely. And finally, where can people find you, find your book, find Blueprint and all that good stuff? I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, everywhere, right? So, but also Clubhouse. I'm on Clubhouse a lot. And I think they just opened up Clubhouse for Android, not just iPhone. So that's cool. If you have an Android, check out Clubhouse app and look for your boy C-Rock. But Instagram is Mikey C-Rock, M-I-K-E-Y-C-R-O-C. Check me out there. Shoot me a DM. Let me know you heard me here. And also for all the stuff that's coming out with Blueprinted and the Rocket Fuel book, you'll see all the updates there. Awesome. C-Rock, thank you so much for coming on our show today, sharing your story and giving our listeners some actionable steps and advice. Thank you, Heather. I appreciate having me. If you or anyone you know has been victimized by domestic violence, please reach out to us for resources and ways our organization can help you. You can find us on social media at 2thrivingatl, T-O-thriving-A-T-L, or online at 2thriving.org.